I know you. You are afraid to speak up. You are scared of what other people think of you. And you blame yourself for what happened to you. I know how it feels because I've been there. If you found me, I'm so grateful you are here. This podcast will give you hope. And I'm your host, Anna Maidanova. And I'm going to hold your hand and provide the guidance. It's time for you to find your why and turn your experience into your biggest power. This is your time now. So lock your door, put your headphones in and enjoy. Leibon Michael Ditchburn, welcome to the world's best trauma recovery podcast. Anna Madanova, thank you very much for having me on as a very special guest of this very special podcast. Oh, thank you, Leibon. And my question to you, Leibon, and it's a very, very tricky question. Why is it so important to open up about your childhood trauma, any kind of? Oh, wow. You were not kidding. Thanks for a really powerful and confronting question that I think had you asked me this five years ago, I would have really, really struggled to come up with any kind of answer. But thankfully, through some of my own experience, I'm in a much better position to answer this in my own words, at least, in my own experience. And I think to answer your question, why it's so important is that when I was at the depths in the, of my depravity and my gambling and my drinking and my drugs and my philandering and my negative self-talk and my limiting beliefs and my autoimmune disease and not finding the person of my dreams and not finding my purpose, I found myself at home on a Tuesday night with my laptop open and I had three bottles of appropriately priced Pinot Noir coursing its way through my vein and into my liver. And I was gambling on a horse race in a country I wasn't in, spending money that was not mine. I wasn't even watching it on the television. I was just gambling on the laptop. And I had this moment of epiphany. And I was like, this is not the life that I imagined for myself. This is not the life that I imagined as a young man that I would be doing at 35 years of age. And as I had that thought and I, I looked in the bottom left-hand corner of my laptop screen and there was a phone number. Now, I'd been on that, that screen many, many times before, never seen this number, never even saw it. And it stuck out like dog's balls to me. <laughs> and it was the number for the gambler's helpline. And I called the number without even thinking. And this beautiful voice clicked, picked up the phone and said, hello, this is your guardian angel speaking. Now, that may not be the actual words that this darling woman used. And her last name, I'll never know. But her first name was Mary. And I call her my Mary Magdalene because she became my guardian angel, whether she knew it or not. And she, she's listened without judgment. And that experience of being able to share what I was carrying with the world was one of the most profound, powerful experiences of my life because I was able to release what I call the, the tether of burden. 
so fearful of what my friends and family and colleagues would think of me if they knew how much of a degenerate I was. Because on the surface of it, my life was friends, family, messages on Facebook wishing people happy birthday, a good job, money coming in. But underneath, I was a deeply wounded young man affected really poorly by divorce. But that conversation with Mary flowed through into some counselling that I got for free through a professional gambler, gambler's psychologist, and spoke about the link between incredibly high rates of suicide that affect problem gamblers versus all the other hedonistic behaviours, the drinking and the drugs, because of how quickly you lose everything as a gambler. And so now I've reclaimed my power. I've reclaimed everything now, and I use it as my superpower. And so that is why I think it's super important that we share our traumas with people. This is so powerful, Evan. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, And you're right. The first step doesn't need to be a huge step. You just need to have a courage to do the baby step. And that's how everything would start. So what was it? Where this trauma, where where this escapism was coming from? Well, I love that you asked that. And for me, Anna, it was it's amazing. It's nothing more innocuous than being a child of divorce. And I had a mum and a dad who did the best they could with the tools they had available, but they were ill-equipped at times in their life to esteem themselves, to set boundaries for themselves, let alone their children. And I grew up without the necessary tools to be a functioning, functional man. And I held a lot of resentment towards them for a long time for what they did to me. But the real breakthroughs was when I started to forgive them and I have forgiven them. And by forgiving them, it allowed me to forgive myself. And when I forgave myself, I was able to love myself. And when I finally got to a point where I loved the person that I am, I was then able to be loved. And then that's when you came into my world. And I'm so grateful to be in your world because what you showed me is the power of vulnerability. And I was able to feel safely enough to open up to you. Laban, before I jump into my my main question I want to ask you, what are the biggest challenges you were experiencing with people at work, in the family, after you were opening up to them? Well, I, I remember distinctly the fear of being found out, the shame. If people knew what kind of man I was, on the surface of it, I was so well-adjusted. I dressed well. I wasn't in the gutter. I wasn't a homeless person. And I don't even want to say that out loud because 
it's not fair for me to judge what a homeless person does. They might be, they might be there by choice. But the fear of being found out was so scary for such a long time that it stopped me from asking for help. And what happened was I spiraled and spiraled and spiraled and I ended up crashing into rock bottom and skidding and bouncing along the floor of rock bottom. And then the pain of being on the floor outweighed the pain of being found out by my friends and family. And that was the point where I decided no more. I'm going to ask for help and I'm going to ask for help so I can remain strong, not so that I appear weak. And I'm going to keep asking for help until I get it. Thanks, Levan. But what would be your ideal situation? How would you love your family and friends receive this news? that you, you were struggling, that you had a trauma, how would you lo- like them to react in the ideal world? In an ideal scenario, I suppose everyone wants the same thing. They, they want to be embraced and told it's going to be okay. They want the intervention to, to end with group hugs and kumbaya. And the reality is that Although that can happen, it's not often the case. And I think the more prepared people are for what to expect when they go through these experiences, the better handled. You know, the most fearful things in our life are often the things that we don't know about. And I'm willing to share shed as much light as I can on that experience of asking for help and just how wonderfully liberating it was. And in terms of sharing it with friends and family, I mean, I'm, I've moved into a place in my life where what people think of me is not any of my business anymore. They don't pay my bills. They don't put food on my table. They don't, they're not inside my head. I've got to look after myself because no one's, no one's coming to save me. No one's coming to save us. But by asking for help, to the right people, intuitively, you know, you can get that leg up that you need. You can get that person to put that face mask on with the plane that's lost all its cabin pressure and your arms are paralyzed. You can get that mask put on you. And then once you've got the oxygen back, then you can start looking after yourself. Wow. Laban, would you love to share how your life changed after you opened up completely and decided to take your life into your hands? Well, the most obvious first place to start would be becoming consciously incompetent. And we go from a place of being unconsciously incompetent where we don't know that we are making mistakes. And when you get to consciously incompetent, you become aware that you are making mistakes. And then you want to try and move to consciously mastered. But that takes some time. But when I 
had some wonderful advice from the gambling psychologist. She spoke about the link between escapism behavior and coping mechanisms that children develop as the result of growing up in a less than nurturing environment, which is a real fancy way of saying you grew up in a traumatic environment and you use coping mechanisms to, to survive. And when I was young, it was computer games and hours and hours and hours nonstop of television and movies and immersing myself in a world that didn't hurt. And when I got access to the psychologist, she gave me a gift. She gave me the gift of what I like to call reverse engineering my problems. I, I need to understand how things work before I do them and before I understand them properly. It's just how I learn. And with the knowledge that she gave me, it was enough of a spark for me to go on this journey of discovery, self-discovery, self-care and self-love. And the more that I understood what went on, the better I could address it and the faster I could heal. And I'm very proud to stand before you today to share that it's been five and a half years since I had my last drink, six years longer for gambling and drugs, the negative self-talk, the limiting beliefs, the autoimmune disease into full remission, found my purpose as the world's best courage coach. I'm well on my way to becoming the world's most positively influential speaker. I started running ultra marathons out of the blue and started breaking through the glass ceiling in my mind of what was possible after I could put my body through a 60-mile event or a 100-kilometer event. Our brains are, and our minds and our souls and our spirits are far stronger than we give them credit for. Laban, this is so powerful because I've experienced some of the feelings, some of the emotions that you, you've been going through in my healing journey. And uh, I'm, I haven't been drinking for nearly two years. I quit coffee, <laughs> no smoking, no drugs. And you know what? My biggest drug right now is to hear some really wonderful messages and feedback from people, how I help them to change my life. So, and that's what you do, Laban, right now. You share your experience with people. You share your struggles and you share your amazing achievements to show that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And it's in your wonderful book, Bet on You. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any um, any uh, fear or shame or some sort of concerns before you published your book that your friends gonna find out about you? <laughs> oh my God, Father! Well, I might be the world's best courage coach, but you are the the most courageous person I've ever met in my life. And if you haven't had an opportunity to hear Anna's story, then there'll be an episode available that you can that you can get on and watch that. The book, the book is bigger than me. The book chronicles my life from really since I was born till about three years ago, which you know, 2018, 2019. And it's like a memoir self-help book. And I deliberately created the book in vivid detail, storytelling that will capture the mind 
the body and the soul of the of the listener and the reader. And I realized that once I had gone through enough healing, I I realized how powerful my gift of sharing this knowledge, sharing my experiences. And I will preface one thing. You and I have been together for three and a half years. And when you and I got together, I said something to you that you can vouch for. And I said, Anna, I've lived a life. And you can ask me anything you want about anything that I've ever done on the one caveat. And that is that you must be prepared to hear the answer, whatever it is. And I think, why well, know that that created a bond of trust with us that liberated me of being found out for anything because a lot of us keep secrets from our partners that, that are little wee lumps of coal in our back pocket. And I think after a while with the friction and the pressure of everything, they catch fire and they glow and they burn. They're always there. You can feel them, that discomfort that you can smell the flesh burning metaphorically. And so that set up a really wonderful platform when I got an opportunity to be inspired to write this book that I knew that I could be raw and real and authentic and not leave anything behind in the book. And I think it's a great lesson for, for anyone, really. The truth will set you free, you know. And so when I shared some of my stories with you and spoke about putting them in the book, you were like, you're my ride or die. You're like, hell yes. And by me setting that boundary early on, you having the confidence because of me sharing the truth, we were able to put something out into the world that is now helping a lot of people. And so I'm really grateful to have such a wonderful understanding and loving, supportive partner, no matter what I told you about my hedonistic background. <laughs> <laughs> as as tough as it was at the time, it has paid massive, massive dividends in our relationship. Would you agree? A hundred percent, Laban. Probably if you wouldn't be open and honest with me up front, I don't know how I would react on some of your <laughs> crazy and outrageous stories that you can read in his book, my dear listeners. <laughs> You're going to love it. Well, let me ask you a question. In your healing and your ability to share your pain, your trauma, your shame with the world, how important was it that I had been brutally honest with you from the get-go? I think it was everything. It was a, such a pivotal moment for me that someone can be so raw and authentic and open with me. It set our relationship on the right path. It was free of free of fear of judgment. It was free of shame. And well, I didn't open up to you at the beginning because with a trauma like a sexual abuse, it's something to do with a, such a huge, um, such a big shame response that it's not easy to open up. It doesn't matter how, how good the person you are. It's something about people. 
And so looking at you and being in the environment where everything is on the plate and there is no judgment, you are always telling me there is no judgment. It really helped me to realize, you know what? I can't kill myself from inside with this, with this burden of this knowledge. And I know I just spewed it. <laughs> um, unexpectedly to you. And I'm just, I was wondering, Clayton, and I was always wondering, is there a best way to open up to your partner? Is there a... Um, yes. Is there a better words to tell to your partner that, yeah, hey, I am actually a, a child of sexual abuse survivor? Well, the first question you asked is the most important one. The rest... Uh, become irrelevant because once you get to a point in a relation in a new relationship, depending on how far you are through your healing journey, and I can't speak from a sexual abuse thriver point of view, and I call it thriver because I believe that's what everyone can do, no matter what they've gone through. It doesn't have to be that. But if you're early on, let's say you're in a similar position, you hadn't told anyone apart from one school friend when you were 15 when it first happened mm -hmm. so you you weren't used to sharing this but when you shared it with me it explained my intuition it explained in my own mind a whole heap of subconscious clues that had been given to me given to me from you and it wasn't until you opened up and shared that with me that our relationship was able to rise supernova levels of intimacy, mm -hmm. trust, and adoration and love for you from my end because I was able to truly understand the person that I was with. And I felt guilty, I think, early on a little bit that I wasn't able to provide a safer more secure feeling for you to, for you to feel comfortable to share that with me. And, you know, that quickly passed. You, you very quickly took that away. And, and, and I realized there was, you know, I, I don't know that I could have done anything else being myself, being truthful and being honest about my demons gives people the power to feel not so bad about what they've done in their life. And, and the power of vulnerability. And I think one of my superpowers, one of my many superpowers, and I say that sincerely, is I have a, a really amazing ability to connect to people very quickly. And they share things with me in like that they've never told anyone in minutes of meeting me. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that since you opened up with me and you gave me the feedback that vulnerability from my end was the trigger for you to open up to me. I now see the power of vulnerability in a whole new light that I've never seen before. And my God, when you do that with people, they like and trust you faster than any other way on the planet. And anyone that works in any sales capacity, if people are going to buy from you, it's when they like and trust you. Laban, I love you so much. 
<laughs> and and you, my dear listener, you can understand why I love him. But it wasn't so great at the beginning. Look, it wasn't so scary to open up to open up to you as I thought. But how how did you deal with this knowledge? Because we did went through some challenges. Would you like to share? We did. We did. It was it was initially brutal because I was in two states. I was in, I need to support this person through this because it's such a serious sounding event that handled incorrectly, the person might take their life. What would my life look like if my dream woman took her own life because she didn't feel like she was supported. And then, I, then I've got to deal with my own preconceived notions that I had at the time about the stigma of sexual abuse and what I understood about it and what I'd learned in the media and just that had been subconsciously programmed into my mind. But I remember immediately when you shared with me feeling certainly a huge wave of relief because I rely heavily on my intuition now, if not entirely. And I knew subconsciously that something wasn't right. And you freed me of that, that quandary. And for that, I'm really grateful. And I think, you know, people are doing the best they can with the tools that got available, but who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? I can't ever have known exactly what went, went, went on. I wasn't there. Put yourself in the other person's shoes for a minute before you say anything. And I think anyone in that situation who's sharing such a heavy burden just needs the space to be heard. I worked in recruitment for 14 years and people would much prefer to be acknowledged at work than a pay rise of $5,000. You'd rather be acknowledged than given $5,000 a year. And I can see the power in that. And I acknowledge you, Anna, for having the dino balls. <laughs> because what's bigger, bigger than regular balls, huh? To share that with me. And I'm grateful to you, Laban, that you had this passion to... Just sit down and listen. Not trying to solve my problem, but just listen and be there for me. So I think this is so important. Laban, that was a, such a wonderful conversation. And uh, what would be your best advice for women to met a man of their dreams <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably the most popular question on the planet right and one that i feel like i've got a reasonable insight now and so if the question is how do women meet the man of their dreams well let's just flip it in reverse otherwise i'm going to get myself in trouble right and then i'll let let our heterosexual ladies reverse engineer how, however they want to go about it. But from my point of view, 
when I learned about being a functional man and, and embracing my masculinity and not being a beta male little cuckold little bitch and stepping into my masculine, I understood more about women. I understood more about the dynamics of sexual energy. And I, and I thought, what kind of man do I need to be to attract my ideal woman? What does my ideal woman look like? And I wrote down in explicit detail when I say explicit, I'm not talking about like pornography letters. I'm talking about like spe- very specific specificity of the characteristics, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. And a month later, I'm walking down the streets of Melbourne, minding my own business on my way to a meeting and I'm dressed for success because men, if you're listening out there, and you're looking for your dream partner, you want to make sure you look good. And I spied you from 40 metres away, and I can only describe what happened next as being struck by a bolt of lightning, picked up, levitated towards you, plonked down in front of you, and I looked you dead in the eye with the courage of a thousand Spartan warriors. I said, excuse me, but you are stunning. And I wondered if you'd have a drink with me one time. And do you remember what you said? Of course I do. Like it happened yesterday. <laughs> I said, you look good too. <laughs> <laughs> now for all the men out there and the women, if you get a response like that, you know you're going to have a good day. And what, what happened that day triggered this amazing chain of events and And you're the woman that I knew that I wanted to meet my whole life, but was beginning to think at 38 years of age that I would never. And I thank Allah, Buddha, Jesus, God, the universe, every single day for the gift in my life that is Anna Maidenova, the most courageous person I've ever met. Laban, I'm so blessed to have you in my life. And I'm so grateful for providing your insights for for this podcast. I'm sure it will help millions of people. Laban, where can we find you? Well, I can tell you where you won't find me, and you won't find me on Tinder. (laughs) 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 Those days days are long, long gone. I have the most unusual combination of names that exist on the planet. And so much so, there's only one of me, and it's under labanditchburn.com, L-A-B-A-N-D-I-T-C-H-B-U-R-N.com, as in dig a ditch and burn. I'm related via marriage to Winston Churchill. And I don't know why that's important to mention, but it'll help you remember me. <laughs> and Laban, Laban means two, two different things that I'm aware of. It means yogurt in Arabic, which explains why I'm so cultured. <laughs> and it also means to show fight in the Filipino language, to show fight. So it's yogurt, yogurtfight.com. No, it's just labanditchburn.com. I'd love to connect. I'd love to hear from people that are impacted by Anna's 
podcast and her message and the the wonderful, courageous work that she is doing, inspiring men and women all around the world to be brave, to step into their own courage, to become their own world's best courage coach. Because when I say that, it's not from a position of ego. It's the commitment that I make to myself every single day and how would the world's best courage coach conduct himself? And so if you're listening to this and you haven't subscribed, you haven't left a review, do that now for Anna's podcast. She's, she's making massive waves. And we need to replicate the work that you're doing to help as many people as need this message. So thank you, my darling. Laban, my lover, I love you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Laban Michael Ditchburn. Thank you for being here. I know it's not easy, but there is a part of you who is ready to take this journey all the way and I can help. Reach out to me directly at Anna at AnnaMadenova.com to get work. You can also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn for more healing stories and magic. This journey isn't possible to do on your own. So make sure to like, subscribe, and review the podcast so we can help more people like you. If you have someone in your life who is struggling to overcome their trauma, this is something you can give them that truly can change the course of their life forever. We'll see you next time for another episode of the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. And just remember, you are able to help yourself and you can do it right now.